Do you? Figure I know you well enough now to bring props. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay, hallelujah, there we go. All right, I want to talk about being set free. This subject is near and dear to my heart because I was a mess before I knew Jesus. And I hate to admit it, but I was kind of a mess after I knew Jesus. And I, uh, I was fortunate enough to hear somebody say that if you want to carry the presence of God, you need to have your vessel ready to carry it. A vessel, with a, a vessel is meant to carry something, isn't it? And if you want to carry the presence or fulfill your call in any way, whatever your call might be, private or public, your vessel has to be changed or transformed to house it properly, right? A vessel with a crack leaks. And I had lots of trouble, I had lots of problems, and I didn't understand. And so I went on a journey of getting emotionally healed and delivered and set free. And I didn't even know all the problems I had because sometimes our problems are hidden, right? I had a lot of them. So whenever I talk about this, don't ever think I'm pointing any fingers because I learned all this looking in the mirror. But one of the things God taught me, I did a lot of altar ministry, still do, and I was praying for a lady. A woman came up. I was on the altar ministry at my church. A lady came up and she really needed physical healing. She was in a bad way and had been for some years. She'd been praying for healing. And when I, you know, I could have just prayed the prayer of faith, and that's a good thing. But I kind of leaned into the Lord and said, what are you saying here? Because she'd had it for some years, and it was serious. When I leaned into the Lord and I said, what's going on? He showed me a picture in my mind's eye. It was a word of knowledge. That's what a word of knowledge is for me. And the picture looked, this is as much like it as I can make it. I saw a wound in her soul, a terrible wound. She was emotionally wounded. I saw attached to that wound, I don't know if you can see this, it looked just pretty much like this. These are barbecue skewers, by the way. But it looked like attached to the wound, which was in her soul or her heart, was a, a rod like this, and attached to that was bitterness. She had bitterness over a deeply troubling wound. And so I'm going to pretend that this is the bitterness. I actually saw the word, but I couldn't pull that off, so we'll pretend this is bitterness. Attached to the bitterness was this terrible disease. That's the disease. So I knew the Lord was saying, oh, thank you. So I knew the Lord was saying that this disease had a legal right. Now, she was a good lady. She loved the Lord with all her heart. You know, she was not some halfway saint. She really loved the Lord. But she was, what I saw was the wound was really terrible. Now, with this, this picture in my mind's eye, I heard the word daughter. Now, one of the things that, for some reason, when the Lord tells me a word, he doesn't tell me the whole sentence. He doesn't say, now, Holly, her daughter, uh, she and her daughter had a terrible fight. She was ter He said, daughter. So I pieced together that this wound was something with the daughter. Now, I didn't know this lady, and I didn't know that she had a daughter. So I gently said, uh, do you have a daughter? She said, yes, I do. I said, are you estranged? She said, yes, I am. And then I told her, I knew that, okay, I'm, I'm seeing right. I said, uh, I see a terrible wound. Now, some people would have judged the bitterness, right? You have to be careful. But, but I knew she, she, she was so wounded, she wasn't even thinking straight, you understand? And so I said, will you let me pray for that wound? She said, oh, please do. 
So instead of praying for the disease, I never did pray for the disease. I, I prayed for the wound to be healed. And then I said, would you be willing to forgive your daughter? She said, yes. So I said, would you pray this with me? Now, there's a reason I make the person pray it. I can't forgive in her behalf. I can't make choices in her behalf. So I ask, do, are you ready to do this? And if you're not, we ain't doing it. And by the way, you'll be, still be stuck with this, right? So this, for those that'll hear this on audio later, this is the disease, just to be, oh, I ruined my prop. Well, you can pretend. So I said, now will you say this prayer with me to forgive your daughter and release her? And she said, yes. So we prayed a prayer of forgiveness, and this is what happened. All of it fell off. She was healed that day, and you know, I never prayed for healing. I prayed for the wound, and I had her choose to forgive. Because what was happening? She was releasing the legal right for the thing to hold on. Now, I want to share with you some things the Lord has taught me over the years in my own journey. The Lord taught me, <clears throat> he said, in his word, he said, the son of, he said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Think about Jesus, absolutely pure. No unforgiveness, no bitterness, no anger, except godly anger, righteous anger. No lie that he believed. He was full of truth. There was nothing. What he was saying is the prince of this world is coming and he ain't got nothing on me. There's nothing to hook to. And he gave me a picture. I didn't bring this prop today, but he gave me a picture of a hook and called it a soul hook. And the enemy comes along and attaches strongholds to soul hooks. Sometimes, I'm not going to say every time, sometimes the devil just attacks because he's mean and he's the devil and it's his job. But sometimes strongholds come because we give him license through decisions we make. And one time I was praying with somebody on the phone, and I thought, well, can't I just pray it for them? Because here's what people do. This woman was praying for years for her healing. Think about this, years. Struggling in pain, on terrible meds. It was tough stuff. Wasn't, wasn't getting healed, wasn't feeling progress. You know what she's probably thinking? Doesn't God care? Why doesn't he heal me? My friend so-and-so got, got healed. Why am I not? Doesn't he care? Yeah, he cares. Well, couldn't he override it? Well, here's the problem. He is a holy God, and he made a decision years ago, before the foundation of the world, that we would have free will. And he gave us sovereign rulership over our lives. He, now, he said, Here, I, I set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Choose life. But he wanted to give us the right to make bad decisions, even to reject him. Do you know that you have the right to reject God? You shouldn't do it. So here's what happens. There are two kingdoms, God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. What happens quite often is a person becomes born again, and in their inner part, in their spirit, man, they are born again, and amazingly made in the image of Jesus, and that part of you is holy, just, and righteous. That part of you isn't the mess. The part is the housing, which is our soulish realm or our mind, will, and emotions. A person who is born again, you'll see people who are born again still walking around in Satan's kingdom. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I'm not condemning them, and, and I'll be honest with you, the Lord still loves him. He still loves him. He doesn't smite him, but what happens is when you walk in the devil's kingdom, you get his goods. I was praying with a lady. She also wanted healing. The Lord teaches me a lot through people. And uh, the Lord said to me the word fornication. Uh-oh. 
Well, that's not a word I want to give. I said, honey, are you living with somebody? Yeah. And I said, I, I'm seeing a picture of you at the bars. Is that true? Yeah. I said, but you're born again, aren't you? Yeah. I said, so the Lord wants to heal you. In fact, he already died to provide your healing. The blood already purchased it for you, but you're having trouble receiving it because you're walking in Satan's kingdom will, willingly. I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but willingly. And because of it, you're getting his goods. See, when you walk in the Lord's kingdom, you get his goods. You want his stuff, get close. The closer you get to the throne in your life, and, and I don't mean, I'm not just talking about outward behavior, but in your inner man, the closer you get to the throne, the more of his stuff you get. You want to walk in power? You want to walk in miracles? You want to walk in healing? You want to walk in prophetic word? You want to walk in helping people or winning people to the Lord? Get close to the throne. Walk in the rivers of God. Walk under you know, the voice of many waters. St spend time in his presence because what happens is you'll become closer and closer and closer to him. And it's not that you're a better person. It's that you're redeemed and you're walking where you were intended to walk. You were born to walk there. And now you can flow in the stuff that he's releasing any time of the day or night. And that's the goal, but most people don't know that. And so they wander off and wander back and wander off. When you walk in Satan's kingdom, guess what? The same principle applies, but now you get his goods. What are his goods? Sickness, disease, poverty, relationship problems, broken marriages, and most of all, worst of all, I think, missing your calling. That's what Satan wants for you. That's his will and plan for you. And so a born-again believer has right and privilege to make a bad decision and walk there. And so I was praying with somebody on the phone and I said, can't I just pray for this for them? He said, no, if you made the choice, you need to unmake it. He said that. In other words, he cannot make that choice for us, won't, because he's holy and he's given you free reign. He won't unmake that choice for you. So you say, oh Lord, heal me, oh Lord, deliver me, oh Lord, fix this. Now, I'm not going to say that every trial or every stronghold is because of this, but I'm going to say that I've learned over the years. See, I used to do warfare and fight, you know, fight in the spirit and try to win. Now I simply say, first and foremost, is there anything you're trying to show me, Lord? Is there any area in which I have not been in agreement with you and your word? Because I already know that's like putting a target on my head. And I found that most trials simply disappear because... A lot of, listen, a lot of trials are just God trying to get you to see what he's trying to get you to see. <laughs> so let me give you another example. This is a person that actually was in my family. Something really, really bad happened to them. And they fell into anger to the point of bitterness. They developed a bone cancer, a very rare type of bone cancer, and were not able to receive healing. And I heard this person say the words, with anger, I will never forgive him. And no matter what we did, the person wouldn't forgive. Do you know that the Bible says bitterness dries the bones? Yipes. Can we just say yipes? So my point is this. What, what does the Bible say? Where there is strife, there's confusion and every evil work. So we can afford no strife. I don't care how, what you think. Back up and try to negotiate. <laughs> Right? Learn to negotiate. Learn to keep peace. Strife is never worth the cost. Now, if you would have known this person, I mean, I, this is someone in my immediate family, so I, I know the story well. If you looked at what happened to them, you'd say, well, that anger is justified. But let me say this to you. You may have anger that you feel is justified at somebody. 
But that's not the question to ask, is my anger justified? The question to ask is, is it worth losing my covenant privileges over? Is it worth losing the ability to walk in my calling? Is it worth losing the ability to have peace in my home or good health or the provision of God? And it's not that God holds those things back, it's that your issues are holding them back. Because now, whether you know it or not, you've come in agreement with the devil. Now, I told you I learned this looking in the mirror. I had some problems in my life, and I was questioning, why doesn't my God, who's my best friend, my loving, beloved father, why doesn't he fix this? It's been eight years. What's the deal? <laughs> and God lovingly told me, basically, the problem is you, Holly. The problem isn't me. <laughs> well, can I just say, duh. <laughs> duh. <laughs> So what I want to say to you, and I'm going to share a couple of different kinds of soul hooks. That's just one type, is emotional stuff that we allow because we think it's okay. And here's the problem it can hide in your soul. Some of you were hurt 10, 12 years ago, and you've kind of made peace with that you're mad at the person, you don't deal with them anymore, you've walked away, but inside there's some stuff that you probably want to deal with, and it's, see, Satan can see. He's not blind. You, we know that he can see in the spirit, because think about this, Jesus walked around on the face of the earth, nobody knew who he was. Even his disciples didn't really get it half the time. But any time a demon-possessed person would see him, they'd hit the deck, they'd hit their knees and say, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Did you come to torment us before the time? They knew exactly who he was, you know why? They see in the Spirit. They see who you are, they know you well, they watch you. And you know, Satan walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't give, it says, neither give place to the devil. You know, that scripture is also translated, don't give a foothold, don't give him a space, don't give him a hook, don't give him, be like Jesus, the prince of this world is coming, he has nothing in me. See, now that's fascinating because we might say, well, wasn't it Satan that took Jesus out? Because the, the fact was, he couldn't kill Jesus before the time. You know, he'd try to kill Jesus, they'd lift up bricks to throw, and Jesus would pass through the midst. How does that work? How, what do you mean you passed through? Did you go invisible? They couldn't kill him, and even when they finally killed him, it was because, listen, what did Jesus say? No man takes my life from me, but I'm laying it down, and I'll take it up again. And when it was time, he even had to tell the devil, okay, it's time now. Turned to Judas and said, what you do, do it quickly. Okay, it's time, go do it. So what, what is he doing is saying, okay, now I give you permission. It's time. What am I saying? Satan can't get to you if you don't give him license. Makes life very easy if you know this. Now, it's a, it is a journey, right? Because most of us have lots of stuff. I had tons of stuff. Probably still working on some. But my point is this. These soul hooks, it's worth taking the time. If you're called of God to do something, isn't it worth purifying your life to make it a vessel that's fit to carry the glory of God. So, I want to give you another example. Now, that was what we might call an attitude sin. Another type of soul hook, and I think this is the, the one I deal with the most in my, in my own life I have and with other people, and that's a lie you have believed about yourself. Yeah. Satan is continually lying to you about yourself. Whatever you'll believe, he'll try to give you. You're not worthy. God is mad at you. You'll never be enough. And sometimes he'll start when you're very little having even beloved family members telling you you're not bright, you'll never amount to anything, whatever the deal is, right? And I'm not going to take a poll, but I will bet you about half the people, just from you know, being in ministry over the years, probably about half the people have struggled with feelings of not being enough. 
not feeling like they could ever do anything for God. And they say, well, God could use that guy and that guy, but I don't think he could use me. You've just believed a lie from the pit. God doesn't use us because we have any ability whatsoever. He, that's not why he uses us. He uses us based on what Jesus Christ did alone. I wouldn't be able to stand here otherwise. No one would. No one but Jesus Christ of Nazareth can stand here and be used of the Spirit of God because in our flesh, Paul said, dwells no good thing. So a lie you have believed is a soul hook. And why is the enemy so desperate to make you feel like you're not enough or you're too stupid or God wouldn't call you or God is mad at you or whatever, whatever the deal is. And it can be many lies. Over the years, I've dealt with people who have some really unusual lies. And what happens is, I'll give you one example that's very common, I don't feel worthy. Well, see, I used to have that problem. And what God made me to know was that I was actually elevating my emotions above the word of God. And I was saying, yeah, I know your word says that, but I feel this, and therefore that's true and your word's not true. You see the sin in that? That's where my problem was. I didn't really believe God's word. Some of you were told when you were little, you'll never amount to anything. And that lie in your soul has allowed, this, is, this one lie of I'm not worthy causes us not to be able to enter the Holy of Holies. It causes a, a stronghold, I'll call it that, of, of guilt, condemnation, rejection. I just dealt with someone yesterday who had roots of rejection that went so deep. Here's the problem with a lie in your soul. So we, we've, all, we've all done it in different, different kinds of lies. But it can become so deep in your soul that it becomes your actual identity. So instead of saying, I have a problem, you say, I am the problem, whatever that lie is. I'll give you an example. I was praying with someone on the phone, and this person had been in many of our meetings, and, I, and a lot of people would get it when I'd preach freedom from condemnation. For whatever reason, this person could never get it. And I would think, what am I saying wrong? What am I not saying? What's the problem? And God showed me this cloth that had once been very white. And on it was tar and grease and blood dried in. And no matter how much you wash it, it's not going to come clean. And I said, what are you showing me, Lord? This person had so believed the lie of being unworthy that it become who they are. So it didn't matter how much you preached the truth of the gospel message, no matter how many scriptures you showed or how much proof you offered, they would hear this. Boy, that's great. God loves everyone in here and he forgives them, but I'm unforgivable. I can't receive because I'm unforgivable. I'm the exception to the rule. And it doesn't matter what you preach until you can get them to, re to repent of the lie. Why do we have to repent of it? You know, I used to wonder, I used to know a guy who would preach with a booming voice and say, repent, and I'd think, of what? You know, I'd love to. <laughs> I didn't understand. But repent means to change your mind and go another way. When you see a lie in your soul, and here's how you see it. This is the biggest thing. When you have a trial, when you feel like you have a stronghold, when you feel like there's an addiction or an oppression or a habit you're trying to break, a lot of times the enemy has an inroad there. You know, I remember having, and I'm just going to be really honest with you, I had this problem for eight years, and I was sold out to Jesus. I was praying. I was fasting. I was living at the church. I was, I mean, I was a sold-out saint of God. But I had a problem, and I couldn't shake it, and I prayed, I fasted, I did warfare, I proclaimed, I spoke, I did you name it, I did it, went boldly to the throne of grace every single day. And one day I did what I should have done eight years ago, and I said, Lord, what is my problem? Why am I like this? And he said one sentence, 
and it was the lie I had believed. When he said it, I realized, now this had to be the grace of God because I didn't understand these concepts. When he said it, I realized, I have, I have sought the approval of humans instead of the Most High, and I already have his approval. And that's sin. That's why we need to repent. Because when we believe something more than what God has said, what does the Bible say about you? You're accepted in the Beloved. You're more than a conqueror. But if you're saying, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, I believe that for other people, but not me. It's right, true for that guy. It's true for Brian and Carmen, but not for me. You have believed a lie, and you've elevated your own opinion above God. And in my case, that particular sin was I was valuing the opinions of man, looking for validation. That's an earthly word, but I'll use it. Looking for something that says, I'm okay. I'm, I have value. I'm a person from people instead of God, when God has already said, you have, the minute you're born again, you have his stamp of approval because of Jesus Christ. You're his own. He, he chose you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And nothing you do can change that, no matter how good you are and no matter how bad you are. His love never moves. But we can move in and out of it and so when God began to reveal this to me, when I saw this, I, was, I wasn't sitting in the kitchen when I asked that question, and he told me, here's the problem, you've, you've had this issue of looking for man's approval. I said, I repent of looking for some, a human's approval, any human, any people, instead of yours, because I repent in the name of Jesus. Now, here's what happens in the spirit when you do this. Legally, it is a spiritual law. You just slam the door on the devil's kingdom and his goods. Now he's lost his hook, right? Remember, I had been fighting this stupid thing for eight years, battling it. Then I said, from this day, Lord, I'm gonna, I accept your approval. That's more than enough for me. Now, legally, I just opened the door of heaven and said, everything you have for me, I can receive and walk in. You see? So getting free, we do a lot of deliverance this way. And, you know, you've probably seen deliverance where people are, you know, screaming and foaming and throwing up and, you know, <laughs> All kinds of crazy stuff people do. You don't have to do any of that. You know, the vast majority of the time, we get people delivered by just getting the person to come out of agreement with the lies they believed. And sometimes those lies were told us by our parents or our teachers or our friends. You know, I have a close friend who was told she had a learning disability. She's one of the smartest people I know. One day I said, that's a lie. you got a lie in your soul. I do? I said, yeah, you got a lie. You have a lie in your soul. Go deal with that. She went before the Lord, and the Lord, the Lord made her one of the smartest people I've ever met. She got free from that and was able to move on to a new calling. See, it's a big deal not to believe what the enemy has told you. He wants you to fail. He's got a vested interest in you believing his lies, so he has something to hook to, right? So picture this hook, and picture a hook that you, it's like God showed it to me, like one of those circular hooks you screw into a post, and somebody takes, a farmer takes a 2,000-pound Angus bull and snaps it on there. That's a stronghold. That thing can drag you anywhere, right? That could be addiction. That could be behavior patterns that you don't understand. Why do I behave this way? I know that's not like me. That's because it isn't you. It's a stronghold. <laughs> Amen? And as you get more and more free, you'll find your personality changes and you become more and more like him and yet also more and more like you, who you the real you. Will the real you please stand up? Now I'm going to tell you, now that's just 
that's a category, okay? There are hundreds of lies we can believe. And I, could, I, wish, I, had, I wish I had much time because I, I, I could really make it clear. But I want to go into the third category. So the first one is the attitudes of our heart, that we need to make sure we don't harbor attitudes that we know are sinful deep down. We know they're sinful, we justify them. The second one is a lie in your soul. I was actually, let me just say this, I was preaching this at a house meeting. The lady that owned the house was having a lot of trouble at her work. She, it was causing her to stay up nights, you know, sleepless nights, concerned and worried, worried about losing her job. She worked with all these PhDs. And I was preaching about this, and she said, Lord, while I'm preaching, she said, Lord, what is the lie I've believed? And he said, you have wanted their approval because they're all PhDs. They were treating her badly. And she was a smart lady. So she didn't even have to come to the altar to get free or even make a proclamation. She did it right there in her chair and got free, completely free. Okay, I want to talk about the third category, and that's called, I would call it an inner vow. The best example I have of this is I was praying with a man who's a good friend. He's an elder in a church, brilliant guy, knows the scriptures cold, I mean, really, really a great man. But he has a bit of aggression, and he would sometimes slip over into this aggression, and because of it, he was having marital problems because he was always on the offense, you know. Well, when we prayed, what happened, the story was, when he was young, he was a small in, in stature, and he was subject to bullies. And the bullies got him, and they beat him, just beat him mercilessly. He, took, he made an inner vow. Now, he didn't say it probably out loud, but inside himself, he said, I'll get them before they get me. That's a vow. There's all kinds of them, by the way. Another guy might have been beat up. Another guy, same bullies, might have said, anytime I see them coming, I'll run. Now, think about Those are two soul hooks. The guy that says, I'll get you before you get me, gets into his marriage, and anytime it even looks like they're going to have a conversation about finances, he goes for the juggler, and she's like, but I just wanted to talk about the bills. She doesn't understand. Why are you being so mean? You're not a mean person. But what, man, you're being mean. What happens? I'll get you before you get me. An inner vow, when you say something, even muttering it to yourself, the first th person to hear it is your emotions. And they go into it. Your emotions were designed to obey you and your mouth. That's a fact. They weren't designed to rule you. They were designed to obey you. So you have to tell them how to behave. And when you say an inner vow, I made one when I was five. I'll never let them see me cry. And you know, for years, I didn't cry in front of anybody. Nobody knew my stuff. And you know what? In my 30s, I became ill because all this stuff was stuffed. You understand? That's an inner vow. So this man turned ha into having an aggression. Whereas, let's look at the other, you know, this is a theoretical guy, but let's say the other guy said, if I even see them coming, I'm going to run. His problem, his soul hook, would attract devils of fear. Rejection. Uh, I can't work with anybody. I'm afraid of my boss. Fear of authority, right? You see, any, that's the third category is an inner value you may have made. And I know while I'm standing here, probably some of you are going, uh-oh, uh-oh, I think I have that. That's not wrong, that's wonderful. That makes you a solid believer, a solid disciple. Actually, there's a lot of people believers, but not many disciples. The disciples, you know, that song, you know, burn me up, consume me. You know, take anything you want, Lord. That's a real disciple. Putting yourself on the altar is a living sacrifice. That's a true disciple. And so we should never be afraid. You know, sometimes people are so afraid that God's going to show them a fault because they're afraid God's mad or they'll be condemned. God loves you. God loved me when I was in all my... He doesn't love me one bit more today, but I'm a lot freer. And I'm going to be freer, even freer 10 years from now because I'm never going to stop 
looking and asking questions. You know, until I can look in the mirror and see Jesus standing there is, I have issues, right? And I'm not afraid to own them or deal with it, but I don't want to keep them because I don't want the devil to have an inroad. So I believe this is the most, the most clear and simple way. You know, if you've got a problem in your life, and, and here's a little, here's something I've learned. If you're going along and you have a certain, you know yourself, you know your personality type, and, and everybody's a little different, but let's say you're going along just being you, and out of nowhere comes a behavior that you think, where did that come from? Why did I behave? Why did I say that? Why did I act like that? That's a little red flag. <laughs> Something might be lurking. <laughs> and it's not, listen, this is nothing to be condemned about. I remember when this person said, if you want to carry the presence, you need to cleanse your vessel. I went on, I was like, that's what I, because I wanted that more than anything. I didn't care about earthly stuff. I wanted God and I wanted all that he had and I wanted the presence. I'd seen enough of the glory. I'd seen enough of his presence to know this is what it's about. Everything else is plastic. I don't care about all that stuff people chase after. I want him. I want all of him. I want him moving in my life. I want him to have free reign in my life. I want to be able to say what he's saying and do what he's doing. And if he's being quiet, I want to be quiet. If he's weeping, I want to weep. I want to represent him in a true way. And guess what? You can't do that. I, can't, I couldn't do that the way I was. It's not possible. And so when this person said this, I made up my mind. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to go on a journey, and I'm going to get free. And, I'm going to, and, and he had to teach me how. He had to teach all these principles, and there are many more, but he had to teach them to me. But the biggest principle I would say is when you see something in your life, whether it's an addiction or something you can't seem to help doing or you're beating yourself up. I'm, I'm just, I feel led to say this. There's actually people in the body who have a spirit of self-hatred. It's actually a spirit. Actually met a woman who would abuse herself, hit herself, bash her head on the wall because she had felt like such a failure. All lies. But she believed the lie and, and had grown to hate who she was. That's, that is a foul spirit. That's from the devil wanting to hurt her. Remember the guy in the tombs cutting himself? He was a cutter. We have a lot of cutters today. And there are people who are so frustrated, right, don't like themselves. Listen, you may not like you, but God loves you. And I mean, you know, if I had a sign, this means you. You may say, oh, she means somebody else. No. Jesus died for you. His blood applies to you. He cares about your every little thing, all your goods and bads and ups and downs. And if you never get free, he'll still love you. He'll still love you. He loves you. But for your sake, he says not to sin. For your sake, he said, make your paths straight. I think he was talking about, you know, I could be way off. But in my life, that's meant neurological paths, when your brain sends messages. And if your, your messaging system gets a little off, you tell yourself lies. Do you know that the psychologists say you can actually have ruts in your thinking, like a rut in a road where you, your vehicle can't get out of it because you've thought that way so long your brain doesn't know how to make another passageway. Make straight paths. Make some new paths. Dare to believe what God said about you, that you're more than a conqueror, that you're going somewhere to happen, that there's a reason for your life. No, you are not stupid. No, you are not worth. God doesn't make worthless people. He doesn't make junk. I don't care what they told you. Nobody knows the real you except God. Nobody knows who you really are except him. And he designed, listen, the real you is the born again you. It's not all this outward mess. 
There's a, a man, some of you might have heard of him, named Robert Henderson, and he was talking about a scripture in the Psalms that said that before you were born, there, was a, there were words written about you in heaven. So there was a scroll in heaven. I think this is brilliant. He said, so when your scroll, when, you're, when you were born, this scroll came into your body, but the problem is it came into a body that had a bloodline with problems in a world that was fallen. And so this thing that God intended to do has been distorted and perverted and stolen. You have had a stolen or perverted identity if you believe evil about yourself. God wants to change that. And again, he loves you whether you change it or not, but God has so much more for you, so, so, so much more. You know what we do? We chase after the stuff thinking this will give me value if I'm the best uh, football player, if I'm the smartest in math, or if I have the highest degree, or if I'm the best one at work, or if I'm the one with the best, you know, whatever voice, whatever it is that we chase after stuff. Do you know what we're really doing? We're looking for our value and our identity. We're searching for where's the real me? What is the thing that's going to make me valuable and important? What is it? I'll tell you what it is. First of all, there's only one person who knows it. No human knows your real value unless they're looking at you in the spirit. And even then, a human only sees in part. But God looks at you, and he looks at your born-again spirit. You know what he said about that? He called it the new self. He said, put on the new self, which was created after the image of his holiness. So when he looks at you, he's not looking at your junk. He's aware of it, of course. He's aware of it, and he's aware that you love him. But he's looking at your spirit man saying, you go, come on, you can do this. Let me work with you. You can't get free by yourself, but as you walk with him, you can get free of, of all kinds of stuff and rise above. Some of you, some, there's people here, you've suffered terrible rejection. God wants to free you. And it's caused you to, to feel like people are just about ready to hit you, so you avoid people, you look down, you, you hate going to a party. I'm talking to somebody here. Because you always feel rejected. And you know how I know? That was me. God wants you free from that stuff. I used to be rejected and shy. How was I supposed to stand on a platform without getting free? Right? If I hadn't got free, I couldn't stand and do what I was born to do. You were born to do a thing. I don't want to go too long. But you were born to do some things. And God himself knows you. He knows he's put his own fingerprint if you could imagine on your spirit, man, the fingerprint of God, the identity of God, the name that he called you in heaven, and what he wants is for that to become the reality manifested in the earth, but it's been covered over by walls of stuff. It's been covered over by junk in our soul, emotional stuff, right? Some of, our rule, some of us are ruled by our emotions, right? Some of us are ruled by what somebody said to us that was mean. Listen, mean people are everywhere. I'm just going to tell you, somebody wanted to leave their church because somebody was mean, and so I said, listen, if all the devil has to do to get you to leave your church is have some meanie say something rotten, listen, he can get you out of any church at any time because there's always at least one, okay? And that's their job. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They did it to Jesus. They were mean to Jesus. Boy, they hated him. They were jealous of him, and they were mean to him. They were always trying to trip him up, said horrible things about him, and you know what reaction he had? None. Because he wasn't, he, he knew, he knew who he was. In the spirit, he knew who he was. Do you know who you are? And he knew what he was here to do. So it didn't matter what Joe Blow thought or 
Herod or Pilate or all the Pharisees rolled in a ball. He knew where they were headed. He knew about the fires of hell. He wasn't concerned with what they thought. Everybody else was, oh, you know. Isn't that how we are? Somebody's, you know, mean and we react. Listen, that's, listen, somebody else's opinion of you does not determine your value. No one can take your eternal value from you. Nobody can take your calling from you except you. So if you come into agreement with what the enemy is saying to you, you, you won't be able to fulfill who you really are. Okay? So I'm just going to seek the Lord here for a minute. I believe God would have us maybe make a proclamation. If you felt like, and don't feel bad about this, I'm going to say all of this with you. And if you don't even have this, maybe say it so anybody, everybody else doesn't feel uncomfortable. But if you, if you have felt like there's somebody that you've been kind of mad at, maybe even mad at for years or irritated with, or maybe even said, well, I'll forgive them, but I, I don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> I forgive them, but I'm never going. <laughs> I'm going to put my distance. Listen, if they're going to be in heaven, that'll be a problem. If you want to forgive somebody, in fact, I'm just going to have us all say, Father, in the name of Jesus. I believe that I may have held some anger or, or bitterness in my life. But I don't think it's worth what it will cost. So this day I choose to forgive. In fact, I choose to live a life of forgiveness. As long as I live. To shut the door on the enemy. And to receive all that heaven has for me. Father, today, if I have believed a lie about who I am or what my ability is, I repent. From this day, I want to believe what your word says about me. That I am loved of God. That I'm born from above. That I'm a carrier of his presence and his glory. That I'm forgiven that God loves me no matter what. And I shut the door. I renounce any lie I've believed that conflicts with what the Word says about me. And from this day, I choose to believe what the Word says about me, that I am accepted in a beloved that I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved us. And I believe, sir, that you will cause me to fulfill all my purpose in the earth without apology. In Jesus' name. So I hope that I, hope that I made it clear enough. I hope that, uh, that this helped in some way. I have a lot of materials on our website that are all free. Spirit of, uh, Spirit of God Worldwide.com. I have all kinds of stuff out there that goes much, much deeper, hours and hours of, of teachings that may help if you, if you want some help. That's where you go, okay? We love you. God loves you. Hallelujah.